Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I think the part of our defense that got away from us is our offense, too. I was just... You know, we, we hung in as, as much as we could withstanding us not being able to make shots in the first half. We, you know, as, um, as poorly as we shot the ball in the first half, we still, you know, held them to 58 points, down eight in third quarter starts, and uh, Jokic has two back-to-back threes, um, you know, and, you know, we still couldn't make shots. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the Lakers got 99 problems and a Vich is one. Actually, make that two. Two Viches. And both of them so happen to be named Nicola. As the Lakers have gotten their ass handed to them the last two games by two very skilled Euro bigs, by Nikola Vucevic and Nikola Jokic, respectively. Tommy, just when the Lakers seem to have turned the corner... They've sort of coughed up two pretty awful performances these last two games against the Denver Nuggets and the Orlando Magic, both in different fashions, but both equally as annoying. Having said that, have they overturned any of the favor and momentum that they've curried up prior to this mini two-game losing streak? Well, we hope it's a mini two-game losing streak. But yeah, prior to this mini two-game losing streak when they had gone nine and two. I don't think so. Um, these kind of stretches happen in the season, and even for good teams. I mean, the, literally, the Golden State Warriors, the best team in the NBA for the last four years, ha- went through kind of a stretch like this a week or two ago. Uh, so I, I don't think it, it completely turns everything around. I think they still have time to uh, – they'll figure it out. You know, like they go home tonight after this annoying game – they get to rest in their own, you know, homes. 
They play the next two games uh, back-to-back, both at Staples Center. And, you know, one of them against Dallas. And then, uh, obviously, the first one against Indiana. So they have the chance to win both of those games. And they can easily turn it right back around, like all of it, in in one game. So, Sure, but your thoughts on the Lakers being bitch-slapped? Um, yeah, it it was, uh, the, these bitches be trifling. Am I right? They, they be trifling. <laughs> um, yeah. With that said, Tommy, the Lakers are actually only three games behind first place. The, uh, first place Los Angeles Clippers, if you can believe it or not, because that is how tight the Western conference is. Lakers currently stand in seventh place with at 11 and nine. They are seven and three in their last 10, obviously dropping the last two, which is disappointing. I, I think I was more frustrated with the Orlando magic game, to be honest with you. Yeah. Just because it was at home and we started off really hot and we kind of just, uh, hot, hot, hot. <laughs> and now we're going the not, not, not opposite direction now, unfortunately, not, um, not, not. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get into all of that. Um, so tonight, just a rundown of the show, we're going to talk briefly about the game, this terrible Denver Nuggets game, um, some recent team trends, even in light of the, uh, the debacle that has been the Denver Nuggets and Orlando Magic losses. Um, And then we'll go back to focusing mainly on the young core, talking about their timeline this year, trends we've seen recently, and where we see this all going in the long run, especially as we um, head towards summer 2019 and all of the rumors about Anthony Davis, um, Bradley Beal, and all that jazz start ramping up. Um, Before we get to that, though, as usual, please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us on iTunes, that is how many more Isaac Bonga Independence Day-like inspirational, motivational huddle cries you'll get. Not with the South Bay Lakers, though, but with the big league team. Because, man, could they use some inspiration right now. Tommy, did you see Isaac Bonga's, we will not go quietly into the night, inspirational speech uh, with the South Bay Lakers? You bet I did. Did you expect him to be... So fired up, and I guess also kind of funny. No, I had no idea what this, what this dude sounded like. <laughs> I had no idea what his personality was like. Knew nothing about him except that he's the future franchise uh, starting point guard of the of the, uh, of the franchise and uh, future Hall of Famer. So that's that's all I know about Isaac Bonga. I didn't know he had this great personality too. Who knew that he was probably giving himself that inspirational speech in preparation for what's to come because his time is now. (laughs) It could be, especially with Lonzo Ball tweaking his ankle tonight, unfortunately. Hopefully he has no lingering effects. He did return to the game, um, but with the blowout and everything and him kind of looking a bit um, gimpy, the Lakers decided to pull him and hopefully that doesn't extend past tonight. We shall see. Uh, But yes, please rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to get to 300 reviews before the new year hits. I think we're at 287 right now. I know I keep promising to read the reviews, but I just haven't had time to compile them. So we will get back to that. But yeah, please rate and review us so that we can uh, stock those up and then we'll begin reading them again with, with different accents and stuff. Maybe we'll do an Isaac Bonga accent. Who knows? Um, also, if you would like to help us out financially in any small way, please go to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast where you can learn a little bit more about us. I typed up a little bio and everything um, and pitch in a buck or two as well. Um, with that said, Tommy, I-, I wanted to ask you, this is totally unrelated to everything, but you sound a little different tonight. Are you in a different room? It's a lot less echoey. 
Oh, I am in a different room, actually. <laughs> you should you should always do it in this room. <laughs> <laughs> so normally I do it from like the home office in my room, which I, I have not furnished yet. So it's just like a, just a desk in like in a chair in an empty room. Um, but now I'm sitting in my living room because I was like lazy tonight, and I'm like I'm just gonna sit on the couch. And so there's there's actually furniture in here to like absorb the sound. You should be lazier most nights. Okay. I know. Yeah, good to know. Um, with that said, Tommy, this Denver game, the Lakers lost, uh, man, by the the widest margin they've lost all season, um, one seventeen to eighty five. That's thirty two points, right? That's crazy. That sucks. <laughs> ah, they so bad. Um, the last time they got blown out this badly was uh, against the Raptors, but they still made a game out of it. Um, although technically, you could say. Honestly, the last eight quarters that the Lakers have played, they have been beaten pretty handily in five or six of those quarters, unfortunately. And if we're talking about the offense, Tommy, they haven't looked good since the Orlando game when LeBron dropped 51 because they didn't look good against the Cavs. Uh, The offense sucked against the Jazz. It was their defense that really held them together. And obviously the Orlando and Denver game. So looking a bit wonky on the offensive end and then... When your defense fails you like it did tonight, and most especially the offensive rebounding, this is what you're going to get. Um, chalk that up with it being in the Mile High City, the Lakers being a bit shorthanded, uh, Josh Hart pretty much being non-existent right now, still dealing with his ankle, the ankle injury of his own, and then Lonzo Ball suffering um, that ankle tweak in the first half. Kind of all spelled this disastrous sort of game for the Lakers, and LeBron honestly had one of his worst games of the season, shooting 5 for 15, no three-pointers, 14 points, Brunson. 4 turnovers. <laughs> Tommy, so what are your general impressions of this game right now? Is this one you just flushed down the toilet? I felt like in the first half we didn't play too badly. No, we played we played really well until the moment Lonzo got hurt. Yeah, and I thought we kind of controlled the pace. We we were we did, selectively yeah. fast when we wanted to be, but I thought our defense wasn't that bad. It wasn't until, yeah, pretty much the second half after Alonzo Ball had tweaked his ankle that things started to unravel. Story of the game for me in this one was the offensive rebounding. The Lakers got out-rebounded 60-39. to Something ridiculous like that? Yeah, 60-39. to um, They gave up... 16 offensive rebounds so even if they did get the stop they weren't able to finish off that second or third effort and in fact they were giving the nuggets second or third efforts or more and it's crazy yeah well it's also crazy because they were missing so many shots of their own and missing so many threes which are like oftentimes can lead to long like weird offensive rebounds yeah and they were like the nuggets doubled the number of offensive rebounds that we had yeah And I think the other story of this game was the offense was just god-awful. The Lakers shot 39%, and this is the team that usually ranks very, very high in field goal percentage and points in the paint and all that. And then to top it all off, their three-point shot reverted back to how they were before this recent nine-game stretch since Tyson Chandler's joined the team shooting 5 for 35, 14%, when in recent days the Lakers had actually jumped to middle of the pack in three-point shooting, shooting about 36%. So... It was just a confluence of events that led to this really uh, craptastic showing uh, against the Denver Nuggets tonight. Um, do you have anything else to say about this game? The only thing I want to add is, as we were uh, talking just now, they, they did x-rays on Lonzo's ankle, uh, which were negative, so there was no break. Um, so he's they, the team is saying he's day-to-day, 
And Lonzo says, I'm playing Thursday. So, Oh, thank God. So he seems like he's confident because I'm sure they're just going to go based off what he tells them. And if he wants to play, I think he's going to play. Right. So at least we can take solace in that. And also LeBron almost tweaked his ankle as well on that play where he blocked. Did um, yeah, there were a lot of guys who had like some awkward landings and, and stuff like that today. Well, well, first of all, for the LeBron one, he got he stepped on Jamal Murray's foot, right? That that was a bit scary for me. Yeah, Jamal Murray is like so annoying, but isn't he? <laughs> he is really annoying, and he looks like an like a bald eagle because of his nose. He does. Anyways, <laughs> um, when Lonzo went down, did you feel like it was his knee a little bit? He was walking a little weirdly, as if it was bent out of shape. I was glad that it was the ankle, but I was really glad that it was the ankle because I also thought it was the knee when it happened initially. I I was like. If you watch the replay, everybody or Billy Mack kept saying like, oh, you could see he tweaked the ankle. And I'm like, it kind of looked like his leg just buckled. Yeah, buckled in. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. But, but I mean, he clearly went back there and it was his ankle and like he retaped his ankle and he would feel pain in his knee if it was his knee. So right. like, it, it, but I agree that made me way more nervous when they were like, oh, he's down. I'm like, oh my God, that was his knee, dude. Yeah. Why did he have to walk that way though? It almost, it almost looked like as if Gordon Hayward had gotten up from that injury he had last year and tried walking on. I was like, what is <laughs> yes, this? Seriously. No, no, no. But as honestly, as I'm watching the, uh, the replay again, it, it is his ankle. Okay. It's it just like, it happens so fast. It kind of looks like his leg buckles, but it's really like. His ankle just tweak, like tweaks so fast. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking for silver linings, there you go. Lonzo Ball's okay relative to what could have happened. Um, the Yeah, like I said, the first half, the Lakers were kind of getting into a groove. Brandon Ingram, mid-range jump shots galore. Finally, finally hit his stride in that department and getting good mid-range shots, right? Not the ISO, dribble, dribble, trying to cross over people and then take a contested one off a pump fake. He was getting them off of curls. And if he had to dribble at most, he was making two dribbles into a spin move into that jump shot, you know? Pete or somebody posted on Twitter, I think uh, either today or yesterday, that LeBron or Ingram's per 36 minutes with LeBron on and off the floor Ingram is, like, insanely good this year. Like, absurdly good when he plays with uh, LeBron off the floor. Yeah. And I feel like somebody need So it's, like, not just the eye test, I guess, is what I'm getting at. The stats show it, too. And I feel like somebody on the coaching staff has to recognize this and aggressively stagger those minutes. I mean, Ingram should be coming out. With, you know, the, he should be the first guy coming out of the game. Uh, like, you know, at the six minute mark or whatever, mm -hmm. take him out and then bring him back either at the bring him back like the second you take LeBron out. So I, I just feel like they have to stagger them. You know, Lonzo, when he's aggressive, he really fits in with any unit, I feel like. But and he's not maybe as valuable when he's out there with LeBron, but he could still he could still like do other things. But Ingram, I feel like, just needs the ball in his hands. He's so good. He's actually so good. I've been, like, talking a lot of mess about him the last few weeks. And, but he is, like, money from the mid-range uh, when he gets uh, when he gets to his spots. And and he he's shown it the last few games. But, yeah, I don't know. He just needs more minutes without LeBron. Well, you said when he gets to his spots. And I thought he was in perfect position tonight most of the time where they were easy jump shots and not the ones that 
recently, it looks like he takes so much... It looks like he's working so hard to get these shots off, where tonight he was in the proper positions, and all he had to do was, like, spin around or just take the shot without pump faking. Well, and, like, Cranjus McBasketball, if you follow him on Twitter, he posts actually a lot of stuff about how how much more productive Ingram is playing out of the post than he is playing out of the high pick and roll. Tonight yeah. he he navigated the high pick and roll better than he does he has most of the season. Um but if you think about the destructive plays where he was just coming over and over and over and just he kept scoring, they were all like he caught it in the high post or the mid post and made a move. Yeah. He's so much better from that position. And the coaching staff just needs to recognize this. And, like, you know, this kid is 21. Maybe the high post stuff or the high pick and roll stuff will come with age. You've already started to develop it. Like, it's going to come with time. But how about for, like, the purposes of the game, we focus on things that he excels at? Sure. And to be fair, one of his sickest highlights of the year came in a high pick and roll play against the Utah Jazz when he split the double team and took it in for that jam against Derek Favors. Uh, but hopefully he'll do more of that instead of just dribbling into a contested jump shot and just driving it straight into the paint like how he did, you know, his sophomore season. I thought they staggered it a little better tonight, actually, because I think Brandon Ingham was the first out and then the first back in with the bench. I will say, yeah, today was the first day I noticed that that it felt like Ingram... Because when he when he went on that run of scoring, LeBron was LeBron on was the off, floor. Yeah. So. Exactly. Um, the other good thing that I saw tonight. Well, first of all, I want to talk about that one play where it looked like LeBron was about to take off from the free throw line and he missed it. That was insane, dude. That was sick. I was just so afraid he was going to get hurt, but he didn't yeah. get hurt and it looked insane. I don't even care that he missed. Well, what's crazy is right after that, Kakuzma did that tip pass to, to Lonzo and that was reminiscent of Lamar Odom once did this play uh, to Kobe Bryant when he was a Laker. I just thought that entire sequence was so electric. Yeah. So props to Kyle Kuzma for that great tip past Alonzo. It, it sucks that the game kind of unraveled and went the way it did because when the Lakers were up and down and high flying and, you know, making these frenetic passes and, and hustle plays, I was pretty comfortable and thought, you know, eventually we're going to put the clamps down defensively and we'll be able to take off from there. But unfortunately, LeBron never got into a groove um, on the offensive end. He, he kind of did the live by three, die by a three kind of thing. And it's weird because he started driving the ball more in the first quarter. And then from there, he just kind of fell off. You know, I don't know if it had to do with the altitude or him just getting tired. And it, it seemed like he got nicked up a couple of times as well. But yeah, that Lonzo injury seemed to deflate everybody. With that said, we're going to stop talking specifically about the Denver game and start talking about the young core again and just some of the trends that we've seen. Um, this is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. So one good thing that came out of tonight's game that kind of carried over from the last game was Kyle Kuzma's play. 
So this is the second straight game Kyle Kuzma has had 21 points. Second straight game that Kyle Kuzma has showed off his playmaking acumen. He had 21 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds, 9 for 15 from the field. His 3-point shot is still not there, 1 for 7. Um, last game against Orlando, 21 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal. I actually think he has, he's played pretty solid defense, you know, relative to where he was the past few games as well. He's had a couple nice blocks. He's had a couple good... He's done a good job positionally defending his man. I know he's he was matched up against Paul Millsap a lot tonight, and that guy kind of just bullies him around, but I thought there were a couple of instances where he kind of just was able to hold his ground and force Paul Millsap into a tough shot. So even defensively, I thought Kyle Kuzma's sort of given a better effort these last few games. But I just want to talk about Kyle Kuzma and what Luke Walton has maybe done to help engage him and get him activated. Um, And it's something that I've wondered why they hadn't done sooner. Because prior to the Orlando Magic game, I I sort of asked myself, I didn't voice it out to the public yet, but I was like, why is Brandon Ingram getting all of these feature opportunities in the post, in isolation, et cetera, et cetera, and Kyle Kuzma's getting none of that, you know? I understand that Kyle Kuzma's a good off-ball cutter. He's he's probably our best off-ball cutter. Technically, ideally, he's a good off-ball shooter, catch-and-shoot guy. Although that hasn't been the case this year, I do think that's going to come around. But just because he's good at these things, I felt like we just sort of solely relegated him to that role while totally abandoning the fact that all offseason, post-work and post-moves is the one thing that this guy truly worked on. He worked even worked with Kobe Bryant on these moves. So I was wondering, how come we don't just divvy it up a little bit more and give Kyle Kuzma some of those looks that Brandon Ingram's getting, especially because Brandon Ingram has been struggling to produce off of the produce efficiently in the post off of those ISO plays where he kind of just eats up 15 seconds of the shot clock. Whereas if you give Kyle Kuzma some of those exact same plays, even if it doesn't turn out, if even if it doesn't turn out well and doesn't hit the shot, well. You know Kyle Kuzma is going to be a bit more decisive, fluid, and at most he'll eat up five seconds of the shot clock as opposed to Brandon Ingram, right? So I feel like in the Orlando Magic game, there was a concerted effort to get him the ball and feature him a little bit more um, because they actively cleared the floor out and allowed him to post up and then just kind of do his, you know, nifty Anton Jameson-like moves in the post and show off his footwork a little. And with that came him also displaying his playmaking ability. So... I don't know if if you've seen that recently. I just, I like that they finally decided to go to this. And for me, it's about time in that respect because Kyle Kuzma is still probably the closest young core player to hit 40 points since D'Angelo Russell. You know, he's had a 37-point game. He's had a 38-point game. And this guy is much more offensively versatile right now than Brandon Ingram. And not just on off-ball cuts, you know. He is a really good off-ball cutter and all that. He doesn't need the ball necessarily to get his points. But you see that when he's able to kind of get the feel for the ball a little bit more, he's a lot more engaged, he's a lot more activated, and he can score in bunches when he gets going. You know, he's probably one of the few guys who, when he gets hot, it's kind of like when D'Angelo Russell was a Laker, right? When he got hot, you couldn't really stop him, right? It was kind of like a snowball of good things happening on the offensive end. So that's a recent trend that I really like, them kind of featuring Kyle Kuzma more. And I want to use a football analogy um, because I felt like they kind of relegated Kyle Kuzma to this pass-catching back role when I feel like he can still be a lead back lead back right now. Kind of the way that the New Orleans Saints use Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram together. 
I feel like they should have been doing this with Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma, allowing them both to get their shine in isolation or even just to allow them to create off the ball. And we've seen, oh, who knew Kyle Kuzma has been working on his primary creation skills this offseason? And who knew he's a much better post player? And now we're getting to see that. It's crazy to me that we're only now seeing that 14 games into the regular season at this point. No, actually, 18 games. So... With that, I also feel like maybe they should give Brandon Ingram more off-ball cutting duties, like switch the roles a little bit, you know, or at the very least make it 50-50. So what are your thoughts on that angle and just the fact that, hey, they're actually featuring Kyle Kuzma more. Why didn't they start doing this sooner? So in terms of your, uh, I think I think you make a good point that they should maybe start to try to make things more 50-50 between Ingram and Kuzma. And I will say that the Denver game was the first game where, I felt like I saw Kuzma a few times bring the ball up the floor, which I feel like I haven't seen the entire season. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's like so rarely. I mean, I like bring the ball up the floor by design, not like he, he got the rebound and pushed it up. Right. Um, so I, I think they are trying to do that a little bit more. I agree with you. It feels like they should have been doing it the whole time. One thing that's been bothering me the last week or so is that uh, it feels like, the entire starting lineup or really any lineup that's out there with LeBron is leaning so heavily on him to uh, bring the ball up the floor and do everything. And I feel like LeBron should never be bringing the ball up the floor or like should very rarely be bringing up the floor. If either, you know, Lonzo or Ingram or Kuzma or Rondo is out there and if more than one of them is out of those guys is out there, then I feel like he should, you know, even more rarely bring the ball up the floor. But mm-hmm. it, it feels like a lot of times we're just well, uh, like standing, standing around and wa- uh, waiting and watching him. Um, so it feels like they can clean that up a little bit. But yeah, Kuzma in general, I I I, I do think he's he uh, has a lot more that he hasn't showed this year. Despite that, he's had a very solid year. Um, so I think, like, hopefully this is a good sign. It feels like a lot of these young guys are starting to turn the corner. Um, you can kind of see it, right? Like, they're still not consistently putting up numbers like you would expect or hope for. But you can all kind of, you can kind of see it. Like, I felt like since Lonzo has been on his recent aggression kick, um, it feels like B.I. has stepped it up a little bit in terms of using his length um, to attack the rim. Um, and it feels like Kuzma has stepped it up a little bit and just in terms of like overall aggressiveness on both ends. Um, so hopefully that continues and they continue to ride this momentum out. And uh, I feel like, to be honest, our young, none of, none of the, the three of these guys, our main three young guys, have played as well as we hoped they would. Um, and we're still a really good team. And I think eventually, you know, two or three, maybe all three of them will start to play like we hope they would over the uh, course of the rest of the year. No, yeah, for sure. It's weird that we still haven't gotten a game where I think the closest may have been the Denver game at home where we came back and won, where we had maybe three guys who had a really solid, good game. And I don't think Brandon Ingram wasn't even a part of that game yet. So we still haven't gotten that game where everyone's clicking all at the same time. We got all cylinders firing along with LeBron playing a good game, right? It's either been LeBron carries the team and maybe one 
or two of the young core plays decently, but we had haven't had that robust like, oh, here's LeBron with 30, here's Kuzma with 20, here's uh, Brandon Ingram with 20, and here's Lonzo with a 15-7-7 game, you know? We still haven't gotten right. that game. So I hope that's coming soon. We'll see. But yeah, at the end of the day, Kuzma, I feel like they're tr- he's trending in the right direction. Um, finally, Luke Walton is using him the right way, giving him a little more responsibility. And you've seen it pay dividends on the defensive end, like I said. He played okay against Paul Millsap. He, he held Evan Fournier to 2 for 10 against the Orlando Magic. Um, and at the very least, I know he's been getting a lot of unnecessary flack recently just because of how terrible he is on defense. At the end of the day, he's still a 6'9 guy. He does get bullied sometimes. He doesn't know how to move his feet laterally that well. I will say I, I wish he... I, I think he needs to get a little bit better about boxing out. For sure. I mean, that was a huge problem tonight, definitely. But at least he's showing the effort, and he's getting steals, he's getting blocks, and recently just showing good positional defense. I agree. Are you concerned about his three-point shooting? I actually am concerned about his three-point shooting, okay? Because he was never a great three-point shooter in college. Um, or, I mean, he was okay, but, like, towards the end, it's like he, he showed that he could hit a perimeter shot. But he didn't look like he was going to be an amazing three-point shooter. And then last year, he was so red-hot in summer league, and I feel like that carried into preseason and the beginning of the season but he went through long stretches where he was not hitting threes at all um, and multiple of those. Um, so it, I never really felt super confident. I mean, his, his release is super fluid and nothing really looks like it's changed, but it, he's just, it's been so long and he takes such a high volume. Like it's not like we don't have a, a big enough sample size at this point. Um, so I am getting a little bit concerned. Like, we know he can hit at, like, 30%, but, you know, we were hoping that maybe, like, 35 would be a floor for him and not, like, 30 or 31. If 37 that he hit last year is the peak, then it's not... I won't say that that completely changes his projections as a player because 35 is still solid for a big man if he could get to that. But if he's going to be, like, a low 30 shooter, that's going to really heard him a lot so here's where i will try to sort of call your concerns because i mean i am starting to get a little bit worried but at the end of the day my long-term projection of kuzma hasn't changed and i still view him as a shooter because just pretend that you're the defense of another of an opposing team playing the lakers who bends the defense more for the lakers kyle kuzma or kcp kyle kuzma okay who bends the defense more kyle kuzma or alonzo ball and I'm not even just talking about Kyle Kuzma's ability to close out perimeter-wise. Yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. You know, so like at the end of the day, it's kind of like that thing where let, let's let's take it back to Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell. Were there stretches in the season where Jordan Clarkson would be shooting 37 percent and D'Angelo was shooting 31 percent? Yeah, but guess guess what? I always viewed D'Angelo Russell as the pure shooter, and mainly because. The Kyle Kuzma not shooting well in college thing is definitely a specter. But at the end of the day, I just go back to the basics in terms of how does his shot look? That that thing is fluid as heck, you know? It's just not going in. And it's not like he's missing shots like KCP does. If he was missing as the way that KCP does, then yes, I'd be like, I am scared for all heck. KCP is so funny, dude. He's just like the weirdest player of all time. How does it go in one second and the next second it's short? He like it's short arms like, and it's to the left. Yeah, dude. It's like his shot looks like a robot. Like it looks so 
the same every single time. But sometimes it's like so clean, and then sometimes it's just like the worst brick you've ever seen. It honestly, it reminds me so much. He's not as bad as Wes Johnson, but it it gives me Wes Johnson uh, vibes sometimes. There's no feel to it. It feels very constipated. Like he's clenching the ball so hard. Yeah, dude. And I'm just like, <laughs> when he's not hitting his perimeter shot, like he can't do anything right. Like he can play defense still sometimes, but he can't do anything offensively right. I mean, he was like missing layups tonight. Yeah. You know, he was going up with these soft ass layups on on a couple like nice passes he got in the paint and he just I, I he's so frustrating to watch sometimes cuz he can be he can be so good sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, mainly defensively, especially again in the Orlando game. But back to my Cal Kuzma point. Out of all of our guys, I still feel like he bends the defense the most, even if he's not hitting his threes. And, you know, people have been saying, well, if Kyle Kuzma's not scoring well or efficiently, then what good does he do? Well, he just balances the floor better on a team where our shooters are already kind of wonky and streaky. You know what I mean? So even if he's not hitting his shots, I still feel like the defense takes notice and he's the one guy that they're still the most afraid of. And that includes when they try and guard him, he's, he's so good at closing out and attacking that. So that's why I'm not too concerned. And if you just look at, yes, he's only shooting 30% after tonight. Maybe that's dipped again. But he's only had two games this entire season out of the, what is it, 20 games that we've played where he didn't hit a single three. So that still counts for something, you know. KCP has maybe had, what, six games of those where he didn't hit a single three. Uh, I could say that for three or four other guys on the Lakers. And at least Kyle Kuzma is hitting at least once a game to, to, to remind him, like, I can shoot. I just got to keep on shooting. I'm going to continue to get good looks from LeBron. So at the end of the day, I go back to the mechanics of his jump shot, the foundation of that thing. And it is a quick release. It is fluid. He's not missing like KCP. I think that'll come around in due time. And right now, the most encouraging part is he has counters to that. He's got that floater working in the post and he is... He's turning defenders into a turnstile right now. I didn't know that he had these... I mean, I guess we knew he had these spin moves, but it seems a lot more controlled this season. Um, Instead of, you know, his rookie season, he'd use those spin moves kind of wildly. But now it seems like... And obviously, I'm just just looking at this Denver game, but but it does seem like he's worked with Kobe Bryant to actually make that spin move foundational. I completely agree. I think a big part of it, too, we can't forget, is he's in such good shape now. Yeah. Um, so he, it feels like he has such precise control over his body movements now, whereas before it just felt like he was kind of a, you know, he was loosey goosey, you know? So yeah. it's, uh, it, it's really this, the Denver game was really amazing to, if you were just focused on him, mm-hmm. he had some like individually amazing one-on-one plays Yes. Um, for a second year player, however old he, 23 year old years old or whatever he is. He had some amazing one-on-one like plays. He's an extremely gifted offensive player. I mean, this dude could be averaging 20 points a game, even despite shooting poor threes if Luke, I think, featured him more on offense. Exactly. And made Brandon Ingram more of like a secondary type player. Yes, because Kyle Kuzma is a bang-bang sort of player who makes quick decisions and reads that right now I think Brandon Ingram will eventually come around to. Yeah, I just feel like this whole season has been pushing this idea of our one-two punch is LeBron and Brandon Brandon Ingram. Or it's like LeBron and the collective young guys. But we haven't really seen uh, what does this team look like if we just like accept LeBron and and Kuzma as our number one and two guys. Hmm. 
and have everybody else be like support players to them, including Brandon Ingram, including Lonzo, which obviously, I mean, that's kind of who he is anyway. But and all the other guys are kind of role players also, but just have them all kind of assume those types of roles. Yeah. Not necessarily like make Brandon Ingram an equal with Kuzma or, you know, any other of our good players. No, I mean, that's a very interesting question to bring up. And at, at the end of the day, I'm not even asking for making Kyle Kuzma, you know, 1B to LeBron or whatever, but just divvying it up a little more. And I think it would actually benefit Brandon Ingram to get more of those baseline cuts and actually forcing Brandon Ingram to make quick decisions because that's when Brandon Ingram is at his best. And I guess now we can transition to Ingram. And we've seen it in the Utah Jazz game, Orlando Orlando game, and tonight's game as well. I mean, his last three games, Brandon Ingram has shot his last four games, actually, 50% or better. You know, I think he's getting better looks, getting to his position um, a lot cleaner. And when Brandon Ingram is forced to make quick decisions, he just has the natural intu- intuitive feel for the game um, to be able to finish that off. But when you give him the opportunity to kind of clear out or the, the floor is cleared out for him and he has to think about it, that's when he gets into trouble and he overthinks, you know? And that's when when the jabbing starts and then he starts swinging his 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 uh, arms below himself or above himself, above yeah. his defender. And then he pivots like three or four times and then he pump fakes two times. And then the next thing you know, 15 seconds are off the shot clock, you know? Where yeah. if, if that's Kyle Kuzma... If he makes a bad play, okay, five seconds we're done with. You know, we're on to yeah. the next play. Yeah. Ingram, it's like, oh my god, what just it's, happened? And it pulls your entire team out of a rhythm on both ends, right? Because you yeah. just get a bunch of guys on offense who are flat-footed, and that leads, you know, it leads to bad shots or turnovers, and the defense is sprinting down, and you've lost the step on every position because everybody on offense was just standing there. You know, yeah. so it's it's. I mean, I definitely feel you on, on the Ingram stuff. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think they, like, what you're saying is correct. They just need to get the ball out of his hands and stop, like, putting him in positions to constantly make decisions. Like, pick and choose your moments to do that, like when LeBron is not on the floor, for example. Right. But otherwise, like, let's give Kyle Kuzma a chance to be like, how about maybe you go ahead and try to make this your team with LeBron and see how that goes. And, and for Ingram, you know, it's it's not even, like, don't force him to make decisions, but force him to make quick reads where he only needs to think from point A to point B. Because that's when Brandon Ingram can just use his athleticism and his quirky, weird, long arms to really catch the defense off guard. Because he does have a natural feel. He loses that feel if you give him like the entire playbook and he has to be like, okay, there's a defender here, everybody's cleared out, now what do I do? You know, he's not one of those players who can beat guys off of his isolation right now cleanly. He can do it, but it's not efficient. So with regards to Brandon Ingram, tonight you saw in the mid-range, he got the right type of mid-range shots, right? Not a lot of dribbling. It was more fluid. He was either just turning around one way to, to shoot it, or he was taking two dribbles and then he's up and then that's a clean shot. With regards to Brandon Ingram as a whole this season, last week I had my friend Andy on and he had an interesting theory about Brandon Ingram and why... Okay, first I want to preface this by saying yes, one... One of the answers to to this why is the fact that maybe Luke Walton just doesn't have any plays in his playbook offensively, okay? I totally acknowledge that. But maybe one of the other reasons is, and my friend brought this up, he was like, I think to a certain extent LeBron James and Luke Walton may just be trying to test the limits of what Brandon Ingram can do. You know, my question of how come they haven't featured Kuzma and they've only been featuring Brandon Ingram for this long? Well, maybe it's part of like this plan, 
one, maybe it might be Luke's plan. It might also be LeBron's plan to be like, hey, I've only got this next season to really trial out these guys. And this is another discussion we can get to uh, to end the show in terms of the timeline these young guys have. But in LeBron's eyes, he's probably like, look, I really have to see what I've got going on here. So I'm not going to half-ass it by just giving Ingram some of these looks, you know, or giving him some clutch plays. I'm going to really force it into him and make him make some decisions to see what I got here. Do you buy into any of that at all? The, the the way that they've kind of, even in fourth quarters, right, you've seen them clear the floor out for Ingram and LeBron James make a concerted effort to kind of like give the ball to Ingram as he's posted up and just allow him to make a play on his own. And at times that has frustrated fans to the edge of the world pretty much and been like, why are we doing this? Why are we just giving it to Ingram in these positions? And part of me is like, I think LeBron just wants to see whether he'll sink or swim. I think, I mean, that's a really interesting point, and it's something that I, I really have not thought a lot about, actually, but it could absolutely be the case, right? Um, there's a lot of long games being played with this team. You know, it, despite all the experimentation and the injuries and the suspensions and whatever, here we are, like, two games out of, two losses out of, like, first place in the West. So... It's going to be, and there's still a lot more season to go. We're only a quarter of the way through. And why not put, you know, Ingram in these positions early in the season and see what he could do? Um, maybe they know what they have in Kuzma and they're like, okay, when this guy, it's, it, when it's his turn, we know he's going to be able to produce. Um, so I don't know. I just, it's interesting. The thing is, we have these young guys who, and this is ultimately going to be good for us. None of them are really, truly alphas. The one who's the closest is probably Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has not, like, unlocked it yet. You know what I mean? He's yeah. he's still not, like, a 19-year-old, 20-year-old Kobe Mamba, you know, attitude. But that's just a mindset. And I feel like that's something... So for all of this to happen and everything we've suggested and Kuzma getting more touches and all this and that... If LeBron and Luke and and whoever are you know the front office whatever are playing this long game with Ingram like you're you're suggesting might be the case, Kuzma at some point needs to be told directly. You know what I mean? Like, hey, now it's your turn. We think you can be more aggressive and score even more points than you're scoring now. Keep attacking the rim, keep playing defense, and you have the green light to shoot whenever you want. Um, if they tell him that it's going to be like really interesting to see what happens. Cause if Kuzma was averaging 18 shots a game, which is not like a psychotic number for somebody who's that skilled, right? Yeah. Like if he was shooting like 18 times a game, he would be scoring like 24 points a game. He's only shooting 14. Yeah, dude. So it, it would, he's just, he, somebody has to tell him though, you know? So I hope, I hope Luke, uh, Luke and the coaching staff at some point tell him like, Hey, look at how aggressive you were individually in that Denver game. You know, the other stuff will come, but play defense and play your game aggressively offensively. And it has to be the right sort of green light because I think he's had the green light all season to kind of shoot. Right. But it's been in that, your KCP Kyle Korver type player, you know, when Kuzma's like, wait, I can do so much more. And they're like, hold on, we got to give it to Brandon Ingram for 15 seconds first. Yeah, dude. It's (laughs) like Kuzma. I trust Ingram more to make a play for somebody else out of the high pick and roll. 
Sure. Okay, but I, I trust Kuzma to get himself a better shot within the offense. You know what I mean? Like, whether it's high pick and roll or something else. And you know the other thing, you know the reason why Kyle Kuzma has all of a sudden looked like this amazing playmaker? It's because defenses are scared as F whenever he drives the ball. You know, they know how, how soft his touch is around the rim. And all of a sudden, he's just dishing it to JaVale McGee or Tyson Chandler like it's nothing. And we're like, where's this been all the time? I'm like, they haven't allowed him to do this. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So, yeah. With regards to Brandon Ingram, though, yeah, it's interesting to see how long they continue this. Let's give Brandon Ingram and allow him to ISO type of play. I do think he's getting better looks, like we've been saying, better positioning. But hopefully they give him more of what Kyle Kuzma used to get. Give him a lob or two, allow him to cut baseline. Have force him to take more of those three point shots. You know what I mean? Just force him to. Um, that's what I mean when I when I say like Brandon Ingram almost needs to be forced in these positions where he only needs to make one or two reads because the times where he has shot a three pointer hasn't it seemed like they've been desperation threes with like five seconds where it's like oh I got to do this. You know it's like yeah but that's the right play and you can do that when there's ten seconds left on the shot clock. You know versus yeah. pump faking. And the thing is when Brandon Ingram tries to close out versus Kyle Kuzma. He has the length to get to the rim, but Kyle Kuzma is just much quicker, much more fluid, and he's able to close out better than Brandon Ingram. And also, defenses don't bite on his jump shot enough the well, way that they do for yeah. Kuzma. And Kuzma is also much, much stronger. Like, Ingram is, is, is he's not like 17-year-old Ingram, like the 18-year-old Ingram, the kid we drafted. Um, he's definitely stronger than that. But he is still not the strongest guy by any means. He he gets the crap knocked out of him in the paint. Yeah. But, I mean, you see the times when he gets space, he's able to jam it down ferociously on guys like Derek Favors and Donovan Mitchell. He yeah, had that play sure. against Utah, which was awesome. Um, with that said, let's move on to Lonzo Ball now. Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network here to talk about keeps. So there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it. And they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes, now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair and you shoot it over and a licensed physician will review the information and recommend the right treatment to you and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Uh, plus, now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So come on. What are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. Um, recently, which sucks that he got this freaking ankle injury, it couldn't have come... At the worst time, man. Just when Lonzo Ball was getting I aggressive. Know. He Dude, was just, geez, he's looks so good when he's been aggressive. Like, I, it's pretty crazy. So, okay, let's let's talk about his games leading up to today. Starting with, like, I guess the Cleveland game, right? When he started just taking it coast to coast and finishing it for himself, right? And actually banging into bodies and utilizing the strength that he worked on this offseason. Still a work in progress with regards to his finishing package, but it's progress nonetheless. Um... And the other thing we have to take into account is 
even though he worked on his body this offseason, for a large part of it, he wasn't able to apply that strength, right? Because he was injured. And in the last two seasons, since he's been in the NBA, he hasn't had a lot of on-court basketball tangibility because he's been nicked up the entire time. I mean, he's, he, he missed like, what, 28 games or so last season? So in the last two years, he really hasn't been able to develop or have that on-court development when, you know, I know a lot of people are like, hey, isn't it pretty obvious that he should just be more aggressive? Didn't he know this offseason that he should have worked on his game and just tried to drive more? Intuitively, yeah, I'm pretty sure he knows he needed to work on that. But in terms of the actual time he had on the court to practice those things and make it applicable, he, he just simply hasn't had that. You know, he started this season off pretty much in training camp or not even not even training camp. Right. He started playing in summer league. So I think in general, his development curve to fill up these obvious holes in his game is just naturally going to be a bit slow. But we've seen once the, that light bulb turned on and they were like, hey, you just need to be aggressive. It's going to help your passing game. It's going to help us in general. That's when he started to actually learn on the fly almost. And then we see him attacking. We see him, yeah, just overall, just being more aggressive to find his own shot. And that's also opened up his passing, which he likes to do in general. Um, so I guess, yeah, what are your thoughts on Lonzo Ball? And and does the uh, that context sort of... Um, frame the picture better for you with regards to I mean just naturally yeah it's it's going to take him a little bit of time to get this going I definitely ag- agree with all of it I mean it, he's a young point guard point guards are like they historically have hard times adjusting uh to the NBA or even not necessarily just point guards really just ball handling guards you know a guy who is used to having the ball in his hands and has had the ball in his hands his whole life. I feel like those types of guys sometimes have a little bit of a tougher transition to the NBA. Lonzo missed, actually, I think over 30 games last year. I think Mm. he missed 30, might have been exactly 30 games. Um, But he he has played uh, 19 so far, but over his career, two seasons, not complete, but he's played 71 games only. So he hasn't even played a full season of games. Um, he had some plays, dude, where it's just like, wait, when he's in the, when he was like running down, sprinting down the floor in transition as the ball handler. And he was just like turning multiple guys on the defense around. That was insane. That was like, I was watching some of those plays and I was like, this dude looks like John Wall right now. Like, I'm not <laughs> kidding you. He was like, he was so, so insanely fast. Well, he had that um, spin move in transition against Orlando where he finished with his lefty. And I was like, what? That what the move heck? was insane. He had this quick spin and then he just goes like calmly off the glass like he does this every day. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, you made that look so easy. You know what I mean? It's not like he – how for so much of the season leading up to this point, you'd see Lonzo on the high pick and roll when he was trying to be quote-unquote aggressive – get into the paint and just like awkwardly like do his like push shot floater that's like not a real shot. Yeah. Um and it would be like so it would it would look so ugly and then he just pulls that crazy play that you just described and made it look so easy. And you're like, "Wait, why haven't you been doing this the whole time?" But whatever, whoever got into his head, whoever told him what he needs Rondo. to be doing. Yeah, exactly. Like Rondo's gotten into this dude's head. And it's working. Whatever he's doing, it's working. Like, even if the stats don't necessarily reflect it. I mean, Lonzo's been killing it on the boards. He's had back-to-back 10-rebound games. 
Before that, he had a seven rebound game. Uh, he, he had, had five, five tonight in 18 Yeah. So he's been playing like just as aggressively. And it's upping his defensive aggressiveness too. He's super, super. He's picking up dudes full court. Like he's playing so active defensively. It's, I'm like, how does this fool not get tired? <laughs> um, but he's he's been playing so well, and I really hope that he plays on Thursday because, like you said, it's it couldn't come at a worse time. He he needs to continue it with this momentum. And the thing with Lonzo is, I feel like leading up until this point, he's kind of sort of psyched himself out to even get to the rim. You know, where it it doesn't even need to be those crazy flashy plays, spin move into left-handed reverse layup or whatever. He's had plays where he simply just got enough quick first step and oh my gosh, it's a simple layup. But I think he's already put it into his head that he's passing it no matter what, that he even passes up the most simplest shots, you know? So I think up until this point, it's not only been a struggle with regards to finding more applicable moments to actually try that out, but also just a mental roadblock for him that he needed he needed to get over. And I think we're starting to see that where it's just like, I just need to go in there, meaning to score, and more oftentimes than not, will I get myself blocked sometimes and still go off kind of soft? Yeah, but more oftentimes than not, I will find myself with an open layup because the defense doesn't expect me to do anything. And I mean, even Ricky Rubio found this out for himself eventually. So... Aggressive Lonzo just opens up the game for the Lakers in so many other ways and opens up his playmaking game as well and his defensive game, etc., etc. Hopefully this does not set him back in terms of his uh, aggressiveness, activity, hustle, but most importantly, just his initiative of an an offense for himself. Um, With that said, Tommy, let's close the show just talking about now we've talked about Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. Josh Hart is still on the men. We'll get to him in another time. But the young core in general... I mentioned it and alluded to it earlier, that this is a trial year. And I feel like people have kind of forgotten that. And we've even been talking about like, you know, D'Angelo Russell and and Julius Randle looking over our shoulder and doing that grass is kind of greener on the other side, even though it isn't. And seeing the ways that both of them have kind of had career years, you know, and they're not empty stats necessarily, even though they their teams are sort of struggling. But they had both of their teams have had had to deal with injuries. Um Karis Levert for the Nets, and then also for Julius Randle, Anthony Davis has been in and out of the lineup. And in spite of that, they've both played really well um, and kind of shown the flashes that we saw when they were Lakers, more consistently so, and um, shown that the tantalizing aspects of their game that gave us so much hope during the the darker rebuild years. Um, we've looked at D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle and said, man, how come our young core guys can't do that? And I hope this this shows the front office that they should be patient with our young guys. Um, Tommy, I wanted to ask you what your definition of patience is, because I think for me, the the term patience is relative. I think we should be patient in the scope of this next year, because if we take a zoom out, the Lakers young core really doesn't have that much more time. And the front office doesn't have that much more time. LeBron James doesn't have that much more time to evaluate these guys. So lest people get comfortable with the idea that, oh yeah, maybe the front office is going to take this patient approach because look at D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle. They're turning out to be the guys that we thought they could be in years three and four. I just don't think that's the reality of the situation. So be patient in terms of, yeah, these guys are still really young and it's only the first half of the season or first quarter of the season and they could get exponentially better by the second half of the season. 
But if we if we're thinking that we have two or three more years to watch Brandon Ingram develop, and you know when he's uh, when LeBron's age thirty six, Brandon Ingram's only going to be twenty three. All that is great. But guess what? Twenty three year old Brandon Ingram might not be here if he doesn't make enough strides or doesn't reach whatever threshold the front office has, whatever threshold LeBron James has to say, I can roll with this guy. So what are your thoughts on that? Because I know even we've we've had discussions where it's like, yeah, they should be patient. But I've found myself taking a step back and saying, wait, this is not the same context, though. Not the same context we've been living in. We actually have a plan in place here. Anthony Davis is waiting in the wings and 2019 summer is right around the corner. Whether it's signing a new guy and us having to flip some of our young guys for a third superstar, and that might be Anthony Davis, right? I think the the young guys have we have to look at this in the time frame of they've got a year, maybe a year and a half left. So let's not get too comfortable with the term. Let's be patient. What are your thoughts on that? I think patience is going to be. You know, you have to remember that D'Angelo Russell was traded in a salary dump maneuver and Julius Randle was let walk for nothing. So I think like patience is going to be something more than that with the, the young guys we have remaining. Um, I think that the, I think it would take a very intrigue, very, very intriguing offer for them to move more than one of these guys. Um, I could see them between ball Ingram and Kuzma moving one of those guys in the next year, uh, maybe not this season, but like by next season at some point. But I don't see them moving more than that, more than just one of them. And I think that's, you know, kind of being patient. Um, these young guys are, you know, having them around with the exception of Brandon Ingram does not really affect our ability to chase Anthony Davis in 2020. Having all three, you know, all three of them doesn't affect our, our ability to chase Kevin Durant this coming summer. So I think they're going to wait and see if they get Durant. If they don't get Durant, you know, you kind of, it, I'm not saying you put the decision in LeBron's hands, but I don't know that it, there's really a good counter argument. Any maneuver you make at that point that extends beyond one year means that you can't, uh, you can't sign Anthony Davis the following summer as a free agent. So, you know, what are you going to do at that point? You, it's like you you either give up on Anthony Davis and you go chase another player, in which case, yeah, fine, you move the young guys. I don't think that means you're not being patient. But I don't know. It's just – it's such a tough thing to kind of predict here because there's so many ways they could go with everything and – I just think that I do honestly think they're going to be more patient than a lot of people in the media think because they don't have to make the moves to do anything in free agency the next couple of seasons. And I know LeBron is operating on a shorter timeline than that, but he also signed a 40-year deal and you know, maybe he will use his media influence to like make it clear that they're not he thinks they're not doing enough and maybe then the front office gets put in a difficult position. But so far, it seems like, you know, we could have made a Bradley Beal Ingram, you know, we could have at least discussed a Bradley Beal Ingram package, you know, before the season or even, you know, once the once we're able to trade KCP even this season. But I don't think we entertain that kind of stuff. And I think LeBron is fine with it. So I think we 
I think the the front office ends up being more patient with these guys than than you might think. Well, in that respect, I agree with you. I don't think they're just going to like dole out assets here and there to trade for a Bradley Beal or whatever. But I'm just saying in terms of, let's say we do get Kevin Durant. Like you said, at that point, well, they may just trade Kyle Kuzma and Brandon Ingram for Anthony Davis and nobody, we'll, we'll all be fine with it. I'm I'm just kind of combating the notion that we these guys should get three to four years that D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle maybe should have gotten if we didn't well, have yeah, Moz Governor. Then it's know? not a fair comparison. Obviously, if D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle were traded for like an Anthony Davis caliber player, nobody would say, oh, we lack patience with that one. You know, the patience thing, it comes because of the way that those guys were kind of let go. So I, I, and I just, so I, in that sense, I just don't see the, the same, those same types of decisions being made with these guys, with these new guys we have, with the exception of potentially Ingram, because if we do get KD, Ingram becomes kind of like a weird, yes, redundant player. And he, he might be moved for just like a younger version of a different, you know, a, a position we actually need. Yeah. And also, I think I'm just talking in terms of, like, if you were Brandon Ingram, you were Kyle Kuzma, you were Josh Hart, you were Lonzo Ball, you know, I, I do think, even if the front office ultimately is more judicious and patient in their approach and doesn't flip these guys at the first sign of a shiny new toy or whatever, because we have LeBron James, expectations are obviously heightened, and I think the timeline just changes in general, where I, I, I'm still of the belief that this is this year is so unique because, and not to say that when we get, if we, if we somehow get Kevin Durant and LeBron James, that we can't ride off into the sunset and have this, we have two superstars and then the perfect complementary young core pieces just around them. I still think that's a reality. I just, I just still think that this year is so unique in the fact that this might be the last year that we have the full set of the young core, if that makes sense. You, you know, maybe Two of them aren't traded, but I, I just think that we can't get too comfortable in saying, like, these guys have three years to fully see out their development. Because in the front office's eyes, they're not looking at it that same way. So they, for, for me, if I'm Brandon Ingram, if I'm Kyle Kuzma, and I'm sure they're thinking of it this way, in this way because they are NBA players and they want to improve as fast as possible, but they need to show more incremental strides than I think would be given, and, and maybe I'm just being super obvious here, because if if they were with the Phoenix Suns, then it's like, yeah, of course, I have a little bit more time to really show, and we can use all these contextual factors and say, he's only 21, he's only 22, blah, blah, blah. But they need to kind of expedite their growth and show a little bit more than if they were in a different situation, if that makes sense. So that's kind of all all I'm saying here, where I think some fans are still painting the picture like, like, yeah, we're the sun somehow, and that these guys do have the time to wait this out a little longer. But I think because we have LeBron James, we have different expectations, we have that 2019 summer market to look at where if we if we do somehow get another star, Kevin Durant, somebody else, who knows, it, the, the, the young guys are still more liable to get traded than not, I think, at the end of the day, for like that third star. Um, so... I just don't want, I just want to find a happy medium where, yes, we're still patient with the young guys, but they also, at the end of the day, still need to show bigger strides, you know? So at the end of this year, LeBron James can sit back and say, all right, Brandon Ingram has shown me enough. Whatever marker he's using to test these guys in his own head, they kind of need to meet that mark or else, you know, 
they'll lose favor with LeBron and LeBron can easily say this guy's expendable, that guy's expendable, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess that's all I'm saying. Um, with that said, I think that'll do it for a show. Um, I wanted to throw some quick stats with regards to the team. Um, so in the Tyson Chandler era, the Lakers are seven and three, the last two losses coming, you know, two tonight and Sunday, unfortunately. But even having said that, Tommy, can you believe that the Lakers are still seventh in defensive net rating during that same span? That's crazy. I can I can't believe that. Guess where they are offensively though, net rating wise. I would have to think maybe mid twenties. Twenty five. Wow, that's pretty oh, yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh to close the show out, what what is your explanation going on here? Because I'll I'll just say my piece right here. I feel like we've reverted back to a typical LeBron James team, if that makes sense. Where we're no, a little we slower have. and we're it's just so selective annoying. with the pace and a lot less relentless with how we're pushing it. So We're way less relentless. I mean, look, part of that is we really were giving them 48 minutes of hell. You you cannot underestimate what Rajon Rondo brings to this team. Yes, I think we're getting a very, very good look at what this team looks like without that Rajon Rondo signing that so many people criticized, right? So... It's it's uh it's crazy when Lonzo comes out of the game and it's just like Brandon Ingram out there as the as the main, you know, ball handling player, I guess, or like Brandon Ingram and Lance. Those guys just can't move the ball that fast. You know, mm-hmm. and as much as you want them to be those types of players, Ingram is so slow getting the ball up the floor compared to like Lonzo or Rondo. So that kind of stuff just starts to stagnate things and yeah, part of it is LeBron, but part of it is like we're playing like that when LeBron's not even out there. You know, so it I agree with you though that it's annoying and it feels like it's reverted to a LeBron James team. I do feel like there were some sets that they ran tonight that I've seen the Warriors run. So I don't know if they're just like slowly introducing more, you know, more plays to the playbook here or like what what exactly is going on, but they need to like really, really up that, and they need to like keep continue to emphasize the pace. LeBron needs to get more rest. I feel like Luke is kind of overplaying him a little bit. Um, if you're going to stagger these other guys in and out of the game, you know, play LeBron a, a little bit less too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I agree. It's been a little hard to watch. I mean, the good news is we went from 48 minutes of hell to 48 minutes of tall with Tyson Chandler and JaVale McGee. And that's kind of helped snap the rest of the Lakers back into place where they're switching a lot less, um, finding themselves on skates a lot less. And, you know, the Orlando Magic game notwithstanding when they were just killing us on the perimeter and Vucevic was just getting whatever he wanted, um, the Lakers have been able to play this sort of scrappy, muddy, muck it up, Memphis Grizzlies type ball on defense somehow so that's been an encouraging sign and kind of just like last year they were able to turn it on after looking horrendous defensively at the start and with a LeBron James team that is no small feat you know because you're also kind of carrying LeBron James in the process as he sort of tries to gain his second win here and there and uh, preserves his body so the fact that they're able to do this in the last 10 games is still very impressive they just need to bring the offense along with them again bring that offensive efficiency that made us one of the highest paced teams in the league shooting one of the top highest field goal percentages percentages in the league as well so it's just about evening things out again and just finding that happy medium of everything because right now our offense has been very very bad like i said Dating back to the Cleveland game, it's just been non-existent pretty much. So yeah, with that said, 
that's where we'll leave our episode. Lots of young core talk. The Lakers play the Indiana Pacers on Thursday and then the Dallas Mavericks shortly after that. To me, those are must-win games. We'll see how they do. Um, Victor Oladipo has been injured. He'll probably play on Thursday. But uh, the Lakers' upcoming schedule is not that much of a cakewalk. They play the Suns on Sunday, and after that, it's Spurs, Spurs, and it's Grizzlies, etc., etc. So it's a little tough. They can't take any teams for granted. They can't take any games at home for granted. And hopefully we can see them round back into form here after this uh, two-game hump here against the, uh, the Nikolas. Are they both Vucevic's? No, they're Vucevic and Jokic, but they're both Nikolas. There you go. Um, with that said, thank you guys for listening. As usual, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. Um, the more you rate and review us. That's how many Lonzo Ball yams you're going to get. Ooh, we could use some more Lonzo Ball yams for sure. Tommy. Later. Peace. <laughs>